Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, everybody, welcome back. I tell you what, I'm going to jump right into education stuff here. I have jab-related things as well. And uh, in the description below, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to link a particular presentation that a listener of the show sent me in the BitChute comments. And it really is an incredible presentation of a lady who has a channel on Odyssey. And she breaks down the shots and sort of the, the quick government control history of the whole thing. Now, of course, it's a weapon from the Department of Defense. And uh, she also talks about 5G as well, but it's really one hell of a presentation. It truly is. So I will link that in the description below. Make sure you check that out. Okay. I know that this was making the rounds the other day regarding education here, and this is from Not the Bee. Again, a Pennsylvania high school had students stage a walkout in protest of transgender bathroom rules, citing safety concerns for female students. Now, you know what my take on this is going to be. Again, I'm, I'm glad that they had a walkout regarding all of this tranny nonsense. That's, that's good for them. They can bankrupt the school district by just not going anymore. That's really what they have to do. And again, you had a bunch of parents on the side of the road. This was last Friday, by the way. But you had a bunch of parents on the side of the road taking pictures of them, applauding them, saying, yay, good for you. And then they just kind of did some laps around. Again, I don't know if they actually drove home or not, or if they all skipped, or, or what it is that they did. But they need to just not go anymore. Again, these little walkouts and these little protests, you know, you're, you're still enslaved. You're still wrapped up in the, in the school district and in the environment that is lying to you. So a lot of people, again, on social media were saying, well, they won. You know, they're fighting back and they won. I'm actually having a hard time figuring out what they won. They didn't really win anything, and they aren't really fighting back. Again, if they just left, they'd make the school district bankrupt. And as you've heard me say before, that's, that, that's a play that these school districts aren't counting on. They know that many families are unaware of homeschooling. They, they know that endless students have the ability to read and write and teach themselves, but they love being the enslavers. And they love doing whatever they can, again, to just give the people who attend just enough to keep them there. But they also know that if they step too far, well, then, excuse me, I mean, students are clearly going to walk out and engage in these little attention-getting protests. But if you really wanted to protest, you just leave permanently. Here's what the article says. It says, these kids, hundreds of them across the Perkoman, if I'm saying that right, school district, just up and walked out of their classrooms on Friday after the school board failed to enact proposed policy 720, a policy which would have required students to use the bathroom that corresponds with their biological sex. It says, kids were upset. Girls, we wanted to protect them. They were upset. They didn't want men in their bathrooms. Uh, that's what one person apparently told. A Fox News outlet says this was the main issue and it will continue to be as long as we let this continue. Boys can be disgusting creatures and when you give them access to the girls' room, they're going to take advantage of that. Many of these quote-unquote trans women we're seeing, we're seeing today consider themselves lesbians and that's why this protest is happening. Men are attracted to women even when they're dressed up as a trans woman. 
says proposed policy 720 came about after a female student complained of sharing a bathroom with a biological male, though it's not confirmed that this was, in fact, a boy. Uh, let's see. It says when Fox News reached out to the district for comment, the school board's president said, quote, although I voted differently than the majority of the board as board president, I respect the outcome of the vote and those who voted against expediting the policy. I also appreciate our student body, those who came out uh, to the previous board meeting to vote and the 300 plus students who used their First Amendment right to voice their opinion in favor of the policy during their protest on Friday. It says, hopefully when the policy comes up for a vote again, the results are different. It is, by the way, the school board's job to listen to their constituents. And these 300 plus students included several of the board members are up for re-election in November, so they better get it together or they'll be out of here, blah, 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 blah. See, again, this is why this grinds my gears. This is one of the things that the entire public and the parents and the students just aren't figuring out. These students went back to school. They went back. So the policy is in place. You can poop and pee wherever you want, regardless of you know your ability to play pretend or not in the delusional world that these, that these students live in. But again, who's delusional really? Is it, 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 I mean, it's clearly everybody. It's clearly the individuals not only wanting to go to the bathroom in a bathroom that isn't theirs based on their biological sex, but it's the students who just did a lap around the school in protest, and then where'd they go? They all went right back into the building. So, you know, this is not to be harsh. I mean, you know, this is just... It's one of those give me a break stories. Give me a break. What are they doing? What are they actually doing? They're not really accomplishing anything. I think it's sad, but it is what it is. Here's another one. This is from WND. Students leaving public schools in record numbers as more families opt for homeschooling. See? It's almost like you'd want to hand this particular article from WND.com to all of those students walking a lap around the building. Do they not know that this is a thing? It says students are withdrawing from Texas public schools in record numbers as more families are opting to homeschooling in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. It says the Lone Star State saw nearly 30,000 withdrawals from public school to homeschool for students in grades 7 through 12 during the 2021-22 school year, according to data released by the Texas Education Agency in an open records request to the Texas Homeschool Coalition. I'll tell you what, that right there, too, is an excellent opportunity for an open records request. People should contact their state departments of education, and this is Texas's version of the State Department of Education, the Texas Education Agency. But contact your, your state departments of education and ask them, how many withdrawals have you had within school districts in your state? It has to be staggering. It has to be. If it's 30,000 students in just Texas, give or take, 29,765, just last year, uh, it, again, in the state of Texas, that's, that's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So that's going to go up. That number's going to go up. So again, you, know, you, can, you can get on the right side of history here, I think, with, with much of this, or you can continue to just play the games. Follow the leader, you know, as you all Text each other on your cell phones and say, hey, we're going to have a walkout because of this bathroom policy, and we're going to stand up for the girls, and that's what we need to do. Stand up for yourself. 
walk away from the entire environment. They will lose everything if people do that. They'll lose it all. They'll lose thousands from just a handful of students leaving. That will panic them. But if the entire building leaves and the vast majority of the students leave, yes, unfortunately, there's going to be some who are tied to it for, you know, superficial reasons. But again, as you've heard me say, one of the interesting things is, is what are these people going to say to themselves and the people around them when they age? See, this time that we're living in is, is remarkably crucial. In the future, as students who attended American K-12 schools, in particular when they were older and at least still had the ability to think to some extent, high school students in particular, what are they going to say when they leave and they look backwards as an adult, assuming they're not jabbed, and they end up saying something like, well, what did you do during the 2020 pandemic and that entire charade? Not to mention, what are they going to say with the people that they're around? And what are the people around them going to say back? What are those people going to say to them? I mean, they're going to talk about it to some extent. So what did you guys do back in 2020? They're going to say, I withdrew. I didn't go to school anymore. My parents pulled us out. We homeschooled ourselves. It was absolutely fantastic. We had all kinds of freedom. You mean you actually attended? You kept, you kept going to school? We didn't. It was the best decision we've ever made. Those conversations have already taken place. Those conversations will take place in the future. Not to mention, what are the looks on the faces going to be? of the people who actually still attended and have to hear that side of the equation. And they're actually having a conversation with someone who knew better and walked away permanently. I mean, what's the look on their face going to be? They're going to look at that person like, oh, geez, I, I guess I could have done that, but I didn't. I just kept going along, you know, to get along. It's going to be an embarrassing moment for a great deal of people if they come to their senses. But they're going to cross paths with somebody who's going to look at them and look down on them, as if to say, why did you still attend? I just think it's going to be an interesting social dynamic as things go forward. Again, you've heard me say, regarding the jabs themselves, when children wake up, and I have a lot of jab stories, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me, local ones too, but when, when individuals start to wake up and start to age with time, children are going to look at their parents and say, again, why did you go along with it? Assuming that their parents, who again may be jabbed, are still alive. That's going to be a conversation that takes place. It's going to snap a lot of people out of the matrix almost instantly. But again, unfortunately, with some of the departed, the people around them have no idea that it was jab-related. And that actually just kind of spills right into the jab stuff now. Again, that's really all I have for education-related things. Sure, there's other things taking place, but it's just, uh, you know, this thread just continues to run through all of this. This happened just the other day. Temple University's interim president collapsed on stage and died right there. Now, this video exists. And this is interesting because, again, you have a media that has the video because this individual, ironically enough, was attending a memorial service on campus. And, uh, and, and, and fell over in their chair. And again, it was being recorded. There were numerous cameras there recording this memorial service, but they're not showing the video. Now again, 
I understand that people would say, well, what, what good is that going to do? Well, the fact is, is that watching a university president or an interim president fall over, ironically at all places, another memorial service for someone else, um, clearly from the shots, clearly this person was jabbed. 72 years old, middle of the day, bam, just faceplant. I assume a faceplant. They slumped over in their chair, dropped their papers, and then fell to the ground. But we need to see these videos. These videos need to make the rounds because it's going to be people like us who take those videos and put them out there and say, this is jab-related. Again, the story itself is, is evidence enough, I think. But unfortunately, the visual aspect of this is something that people have got to see. They have to see more of it. It has to happen again. You've heard me say regarding sporting events, this has to continue to happen on camera during live events. You saw the reaction. I mean, you talk about a, an experiment, a social experiment. We all remember the DeMar Hamlin thing. Same thing. It was right there. You had probably 50% of the human population going, jabs, that's jab-related 100%. And then you had other people just shaking their head and going, oh, it's Commodio Cortis or whatever the hell, whatever excuse they used. Everybody got a crash course lesson in the media cover-up and the emotional media response. We need to not jump to conclusions. You know, we don't really know what's happening and uh, let's just pray. That dude dropped dead right then and there. And he had at least two or three shots in him. Now we have, again, a Temple University president dying in front of an audience of individuals. And what? What are they saying? Not a peep about the jabs. I mean, clearly not from them. They're not, they're not going to admit that because they were in on it. Did Temple University force the jabs on people? I'm certain. Almost all of them did. But here's what it says. The acting president of Temple University in Philadelphia, Joanne E. Epps, I'm sorry, A. Epps, rather, last name is Epps, died Tuesday afternoon at the age of 72 after collapsing in a memorial service, the university said, following a rocky period of change for university leadership. Epps became ill on stage, collapsed while attending a memorial service for Charles Bloxon, curator of the on-campus art gallery, the Bloxon Collection, according to the university. She was transported to Temple University Hospital and pronounced dead at 3.15 p.m. on Tuesday. University Board Chairman Mitchell Morgan said, quote, there's no words that can describe the gravity of the sadness of this loss. Well, there are words. She was jabbed, and you all forced it on people, and you all went along with it. You went along with your own demise. That's what could be said. Those are the words that I would choose. University did not immediately provide a cause of death, but said her death was sudden. Strange. Strange choice of words there. She just died suddenly, quote-unquote. It's almost like there's been documentaries with that exact same title, or at least one documentary certainly with that title, along with endless other headlines. Who knew that dying suddenly was a cause of death or a medical condition? Weird. Ken Kaiser, it says, senior vice president and chief operating officer at Temple University, said at a news conference, we are not aware 
that President Epps had any health issues, according to the Associated Press. So no health issues. Falls over. Hmm, what could it possibly be? What could it be? So there's that. That happened. There's also this, and this was tossed to me by our educator in Louisiana. Which, by the way, I know I bash sports a lot, but please, if uh, you know, if there's a casualty as a result of the jabs or a major surgery or something related to the jabs, always send it to me. You know, this is uh, this is a societal aspect that is. I mean, you just can't ignore it. But this has to do with an LSU football player by the name of Greg Brooks Jr. This individual is alive, but had a brain tumor removed. And this audio that was sent to me, there's really nothing to play necessarily, but this individual uh, has the YouTube channel LSU Odyssey. So it's basically a local a local kid who uh, you know reports on particular things regarding LSU and certainly sports. But um, this is jab related, ladies and gentlemen. I've covered LSU at length here regarding their jab policy. They needed people to be boosted if you had to if you wanted to attend their graduate school, and they may still require the jabs. I don't think they do, but they certainly did very strongly there for a couple of years. You had to have at least two to to attend. Certainly, they're undergraduates, and uh, th- this particular football player was a fifth year senior. So, brain tumor. Now, right out of the gate, this young guy who is explaining the situation briefly he he never says jabs, doesn't bring it up once, but he blames the hot weather. Well, we know it's hot in Louisiana, and those practices are really hard. And uh, I mean, I can only imagine how you know taxing that can be on the entire body. But uh, he was complaining of headaches for quite some time, and they thought maybe dehydration. But it turns out he had a brain tumor. I mean, please, this is this is criminal. This is the largest. You know, it, it's it's the largest criminal act in genocide that's ever taken place. Endless people are bringing this up, but politicians aren't touching it with a 10-foot pole. Business leaders, quote-unquote, aren't touching this with a 10-foot pole. Insurance rates are going through the roof, but no one's making that connection as to why that's the case. Schools aren't bringing this up. Yet a university president fall over dead. Not a peep. Not a peep. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And everybody's in on it because they're all taking money. They're all taking money. Hospitals, sheriff's departments, politicians, you name it. They're all taking money. Meanwhile, at the southern border, we're being invaded by people who are not jabbed, won't get jabbed, aren't required to get jabbed. If people can't see that this is race replacement and people can't see that this is a population replacement and population decline, you know. I'm sorry. You're, you're you're dead asleep. That's why you can't see it. And uh and it just continues to occur. That actually brings me to this. This is a bit of a local issue that requires some explanation. And again, I just want to preface this by saying I'm I'm not mocking anybody. I'm not making fun of anybody. That's not what's happening here. I'm asking people to think for a minute. To just think. There was a local woman Of course, many people in the town where I live have died. 
and quote-unquote died suddenly or died unexpectedly or too soon, whatever phrase you want to throw in there, and, uh, and, and people are not connecting the dots. So this happened. An owner of a hair salon in town passed away uh, in New York City. They were visiting New York. They send their children, of course, here to the local school district, apparently, and uh, she leaves behind, um, let's see, her, her husband and at least one child. This individual, again, was in New York City. Apparently, their flight back to Oxford, Ohio was canceled or delayed or something to that effect. They got in a cab or an Uber or whatever and went back to their hotel in New York and uh, went up into their room and passed away. And this again happened seemingly in the middle of the day, I would assume. Either way, this particular individual's name is Lisa Campa, if I'm saying that right, or spelled C-I-A-M-P-A. This individual was 52 years old, not, not an old person. Uh, and again, no underlying health issues, nothing, nothing related to any of that. Was this person jabbed? That's the question. And so I'm going to read their, uh, their community involvement here, and you can make that choice yourself. Keep in mind, this particular hair salon that, sh that she owns employs, of course, a great deal of people. And at the exact same time, this hair salon went along with a mask wearing. Again, lots of hair salons did, I know, and that makes zero sense because it's a hair salon and, you know, facials are received as well and manicures, pedicures, things of that nature. I think there's even a masseuse there, but don't forget your mask. This individual, again, and you can, you know, anybody can look this up with any of the departed. If you're curious as to whether or not it was the jabs, there's, there's very basic dots that you can connect that would indicate that this was, in fact, the case. But you decide. Uh, they sat on the boards of the Oxford Visitors Bureau, the Oxford Chamber of Commerce, and they were also on the Board of Trustees for McCullohyde Memorial Hospital. They were awarded the Oxford Citizen of the Year in 2011. And there you go. What do you think? Jabbed? Yeah. You can't, you can't be a part of local politics. You can't be a part of local conglomerates, certainly a hospital board of trustees, and not be jabbed. It, it's right here. It's right in front of them. It's right in front of everybody. And here's the thing. I'm going to play some audio now from the local city council meeting that just took place the other day. I'm going to play two clips. One, you're going to hear the mayor specifically bring up this individual as another individual brought her up you know, toward the end. So basically what happens is at the end of these city council meetings, they'll go around the horn and they'll basically just provide you know, their two cents on whatever it is that they think is important that they want to bring up. Actually, first, what I'm going to play is, is I'm going to play a woman, and this was, again, her time to speak. This is what she brought up as being important. Again, this is going to tell you how brain-dead these people are. 
and how brainwashed and just out to lunch they are. They have no idea what's going on. They have no idea what they've advocated for. But this right here is an Amber Franklin, and she's a black woman, and you're going to hear what apparently is important to her and what she finds interesting. So this is what she said at the end of the last city council meeting regarding, you know, things that are going on in the town. Give this a listen in three, two, one. Uh, Living Room Conversations is back at the Interfaith Center. We had a great conversation about Barbie. Um, There's a conversation early in October. Just go to their website. It's a Friday. They're all Fridays at noon. There's lunch provided. Uh, The next one in October is again on abortion rights. And then the one in November is on marijuana. And the election will have happened by then. So either way it goes, we hope to have a robust conversation. And we really do want people who hold different perspectives to come out. The conversations are not as enjoyable if everyone around the table views things the same way or more or less the same way. That's all I have. Thank you. And there you have it. There you have it. Inside the mind of a city council member right there. People voted for that. I didn't vote for her. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. Living Room Conversations. It's a group where we get together and talk about useless shit. You know, like the movie Barbie. And we're going to talk about marijuana too and how marijuana is on the Ohio ballot and recreational marijuana use. This right here again. You can't fix this. You know, you, you, you just can't. You can't fix this. If I showed up to that meeting and started railing on these people and saying, look, you're talking about Barbie and dope. Now, me personally, first of all, on the marijuana issue, I'm going to vote against it. Recreational use of marijuana is remarkably problematic. Uh, it's not, it's not going to ease anything, and people don't understand, again, the satanic plan behind all of that. It's all designed, again, to brainwash people. A motivational syndrome is a real thing. That is, that is a real condition brought about by dope use, without a doubt. It just makes people lazy. It makes them stupid, lazy. That, that's the way that it is. I'm not doubting that natural marijuana has medicinal use and certainly... Uh, you know, alleviates certain side effects of particular things, helps people sleep, et cetera, et cetera. But this is, this is being done to distract the public. It's all being done to, again, continue to, oh, soften the mind, we'll say, among other things. So that's my stance on that. But again, getting together, having free lunch on taxpayer dollars, uh, and then talking about Barbie and other useless crap. And then, of course, begging people who don't agree with them to show up. Because yes, it's an echo chamber. The vast majority of the citizens of any town or city are not going to attend such a useless meeting with useless people talking about useless things. They aren't going to. We have brains. And these people, again, need to be mocked. They need to be mocked, ridiculed, and made fun of because such a group is funded by the tax dollars of a surrounding town. They're paying for this. That lunch isn't free. Someone bought it. Probably came right out of city council's pocket, which again is your tax dollars. But if I showed up to such a meeting and started talking about the bioweapon jabs that are killing copious amounts of people, including everyone who takes them, and that those people are permanently sick now because they have permanently damaged DNA, 
and I said this to their faces, what would the looks on all their faces be? Because let's face it, they're all jabbed. All the people attending those living room conversations with a city council member, they're all jabbed. These city council members pushed the jabs on people. They invited in the director of the hospital, you know, the same hospital who had a hair, a hair salon owner sit on the board of, you know, the board of trustees for. And everybody's just intermingling and influencing one another and all agreeing. And again, when everybody's thinking alike, someone's not thinking, and they're all jabbed, and now one of their own is dead. And they can't figure out why. Here's the mayor of this stupid little town. Uh, and here's his words regarding the salon owner's passing. Listen to the words he says. Listen to the, the, the choice of words. Give this a listen. Thank you, Dave. I was going to mention the same thing. Um, and my, I can't even imagine what Bob is going through or what their children are going through. It's just so sudden and so unexpected. Um, but she was a big pillar to our community in, in so many different ways, as you mentioned. So hopefully keep one another safe and, uh, you know, tell people you love, you love them while you got them, I think. I detest this man. I detest him. He's a, he's a full-blown sociopath. He will stab you in the back in, in, one, in one instance, and then when he has a face-to-face -face with you, he'll be cordial. I mean, I don't like these people. I don't like people who do that, and those people, of course, are everywhere. You know, they'll be polite with you in a particular setting, but then again, they'll, they'll shit all over you in, in another setting and have no, no problems or qualms about doing it. This guy is a sociopath. He pushed these shots on endless people. This was the same man who was on Don Lemon, CNN, Monkeypox Don Lemon. He was on his show back when Lemon had a show, and he was disappointed that the people in Oxford couldn't be forced to take the shots, that they couldn't be forced to not congregate with one another. That's the same guy, Bill Snavely. Look it up on YouTube. Bill Snavely, Don Lemon. Check out the interview. He's a sociopath. And now he's got the actual stones, albeit, albeit soft, I'm sure. He's got the stones to say that, oh, what a pillar of the community we've lost and uh, such a pillar. And I can't imagine what's going on. And and they happen to die unexpectedly and so suddenly. Interesting choice of words. Suddenly and unexpectedly. It's almost like we're hearing that all of the time, and yet people don't know why. You've also heard me say this. I'm not going to go to these city council meetings, not ever. I won't do it. Until, until one of them passes from these shots. Then I will show up and I will say, I told you so. And then what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to tell the entire town that I emailed all of these people on numerous occasions with every document that I could possibly email them. I put it all in one giant PDF and I send it to them. All of the books that have been written about this, my own included. All the documentaries that have been published about this, all of the peer-reviewed articles that exist, all of the substacks, 
I had a, I have this giant email that I sent all of them. And I said, you're culpable in this. You're responsible. Now the so-called pillars of the community are falling over and they can't figure out why. A couple of years ago when I gave that school board speech, the entire town was scared shitless from that speech that I gave. <clears throat> Excuse me. They were scared. And they should have been. It was apparently making the rounds all over Facebook. And all of the different Facebook pages that exist in these kinds of towns are actually really disgusting. But you can't hide from anything. I mean, there's a Facebook, there's a Facebook page for the road I live on in the neighborhood where I live. They have their own Facebook page. I've never even seen it. But it's, it's just ridiculous. And then, of course, the town has one. And city council has one. And this council has one. And that group has one. They're all on Facebook and they all talk about stuff. But when I gave that speech, it was all over all of those Facebook pages. That's what people were telling me. And I said, good. And they said, man, you really scared a bunch of people in town. I said, good. It makes me wonder whether or not this Lisa gal was making fun of me, like a lot of people, I'm sure. Whatever. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not a medical doctor. He has no idea. And we are the pillars of this community. And we have AIDS now. And we're dying, yes, but it's not because of uh, anything that we've done. No, no, no. People just die unexpectedly sometimes when they have no health issues whatsoever, no family history of illness, and, you know, perfectly fit. This woman, by the way, was rail thin. I mean, she was a healthy-looking woman, 52 years old. And they're just, they're not even scratching their heads. They're just folding their arms and going, ah, oh, you know, we, we lost a pillar of the community. Your finance director is dead. Copious amounts of people are ill. An owner of a major business in town is now dead. The, the list of, of people dying is stacking up, and the walls are closing in. On the road where my parents live, there's at least three people who are already dead from the shots. That's, I mean, that's massive. That's a big deal. But I'm only going to go back to a city council meeting which I've never been to one before, but I'll go and I'll speak when someone on the council is dead from the shots. And I'll say, and again, whether it be the mayor or the Jason Bracken idiot, it's going to be one of the two. I, they're in my Deadpool. But either one of them, if either one of them goes, I'm going to go back and say, I told you so. And I'm going to tell the people of Oxford that I've been emailing these people about this, which means they haven't been keeping people safe. They aren't educating themselves about what's going on. But we know that nobody is, don't we? No one's educating themselves about what's going on. Sheriff's departments took money. I've been over that. They all got grant money, millions and millions and millions of dollars. So they're all in on it. They're not keeping anybody safe. Local police departments aren't keeping anybody safe from these biological weapons. City councils aren't because they're all jabbed and, and they watch CNN and, you know, think that climate change is a real thing. Remember, living room conversations talking about Barbie. We had a great conversation about Barbie and what it means and what's the bigger picture. And let's, let's put our heads together and figure this out. Honest to Christ. There's also this, by the way. This was from a month ago. The People's Voice, one month ago, CDC admits it faked 99% of COVID deaths to scare public into taking the vaccine. 
It says newly released data from the CDC reveals that most recorded fatalities that were blanket blamed on COVID were caused by something else. What's that something else? According to the CDC's COVID dashboard, just 1.7% of the 324 COVID deaths registered in the week ending August 19th had COVID as the primary cause of death. Disturbingly, the vast majority of the people who were labeled as COVID deaths, quote-unquote, actually died of other causes, such as cancer and heart disease, many of which could have been caused by the COVID jab itself, you think? Yeah. In fact, the rumor with the hair, st- the, the hair salon owner was that she had cancer. Uh, that uh, Again, I assume that that's true. I don't know that for a fact, but that's what I heard. Well, when did she get cancer? Before, during, or after the jabs? Let me give you some other examples here, too. There was a Virginia Democrat female who apparently has a brain disorder now, and she knows that she's going to die as a result of this brain disorder. Her name has slipped my mind, but this hit the news earlier this week. Again, what from? Seemingly healthy young individual? What from? A brain disorder. Jab-related? Probably. Then you have this. Governor Mike DeWine tests positive for COVID-19 after experiencing mild cold symptoms. Well, at least he had the shots. It could have been a whole lot worse. It says the governor reportedly had 101-degree fever at the time of taking the test around 5.30. DeWine is a criminal of the highest order. The things that this monster has done in the state of Ohio are incalculable. The very jab lottery system that he had set up was an absolute abomination. And the number of people who were dumb enough to actually get the shots so that they could then participate in the chance to win a million dollars. I mean, God bless. You know, it's exhausting. It's just exhausting. His positive test, it says, came just hours after he and Columbus Mayor Andrew Ginther met during a press conference to announce a new initiative against gun violence. Great. Come and take it, buddy. Come and take them. Find out what happens. COVID-19 hospitalizations have been rising since late last summer, or since late summer, rather, although, thanks to some lasting immunity from prior vaccinations, the infection's not nearly as much as this time as it was last year. It's because you have more death this time around. They're actually writing in this CBS News website, Uh, 10tv.com, that vaccinations give you immunity, but that they don't last very long, which is why you have to get more. Who believes this? There are people who do. Probably the same people attending the discussion about Barbie. Not to mention, of course, the fake tests. Well, he tested positive. Well, of course he did. Did he accidentally spill a Diet Coke on it? Because that would provide a positive test. Because again, the tests do nothing. They don't work. They don't test for anything. Maybe he wiped his cat's ass with it. Who knows? It's absolutely crazy. That, you know, that would be another thing that I would say at a city council meeting. 
I would tell everybody that the tests, of course, are completely fake, totally faulty. And then I would encourage all of the school children to spit on them or, again, run them under a faucet uh, of, of dripping water, clearly, and then uh, you know take a picture of their, of their predetermined positive test and send it into the school so that they can get 10 days off of school because they, quote unquote, have COVID. And if you want some free time off of work, well, spit on your test or, again, just rub it in the dirt and then wait for it to test positive, send them the picture of your, of your fake positive COVID test and say, well, I don't have any symptoms, I don't feel ill, but I tested positive, because that makes sense. And then send it into your boss and, you know, you'll get some time off of work. People do that, by the way. I mean, I've brought it up on the show. That's a thing. That's an actual thing, just to get out of school and get out of work. I love it. But these people have no flippin' idea that these tests do nothing. They still test one another. Well, I tested positive, which is why I can't show up to the meeting. They actually believe it. These people have to expire, ladies and gentlemen. They have to go. You can't walk through life being this dumb and this brainwashed and expect to survive because look what's happening. They're destroying our country. These people are destroying towns, cities, and our entire nation because they believe things that aren't real. These people have to expire. They've done it to themselves and they don't even know it, but they've got to go. You've heard me say in the past that these people don't even know what Substack is. If you were to say, do you know what Substack is? They'd be like, oh, you know, it's a COVID variant. That's probably what they'd say. I mean, Substack is riddled with the truth. It's riddled with thought and theory and fact. It's riddled with it. Here's one right here. UGPious.com.substack.com is, uh, is <laughs> I think I'm saying that right. A, a, uh, a plague chronicle is what it's called. Let me read this. Let me read this for you here. And again, I wouldn't normally read through an entire Substack, but this is a short one and rather important. It ties in with everything I just brought up. Uh, here we go. It says, quote, inability to, I'm sorry, here, here's the title. The title is this, study with each COVID vaccination. Healthcare workers get sick, applying for progressively more leave and taking more analgistic medication after each dose. It says, quote, inability to work following COVID-19 vaccination, quote unquote, is a modest paper just published in Public Health from last November. Analysis data from the Covaxer C-O-V-A-C-S-E-R cohort study conducted out of Würzburg to monitor the effects of COVID infection and vaccination on healthcare workers. Of 1,831 COVAXer participants who were surveyed on their experiences with vaccination between the 29th of September of 2021 and the 27th of March 2022, 1,700 met criteria for inclusion in the present study. We're looking, therefore, at the effects of the first, second, and third doses. From that abstract, it said the following, COVID-19 vaccination has emerged as a key strategy to control the spread and severity of SARS-CoV-2 infections, particularly among healthcare workers. However, vaccine-related incapacity could overwhelm public health care and must be addressed as part of this important prevention strategy. Vaccine-related staff absences 
must be considered in light of the future COVID-19 booster vaccination campaigns and the challenges posed by the continuing COVID-19 pandemic. The co-vaxxer sample is overwhelmingly female, 87%. Only a minority, 18.6%, were physicians. It is also relatively young and healthy with a median age of 39. We're talking about healthcare workers here, nurses, for example. It says the vast majority of everyone in the cohort received BioNTech Pfizer for each of their three doses. Across all three doses and all 1,704 participants, the jabs resulted in a total of 1,550 sick days. Here's the chart of averages of sick days for each dose. Yep, it increases. Pretty easy chart to understand. I think a fourth grader could understand this. The first dose, yep, there are sick days there. Second dose, it quadruples at least. It's times, it's almost times 10 as much. And then the third dose is higher than that. It says, and here's the percentage of healthcare workers claiming some amount of sick leave for each dose. With each dose, it increases. It continues, it says, quote, overall, the boosters resulted in 27.9% of the entire sample taking at least one day off of work. Of 21 participants who received AstraZeneca for their first dose, fully 11, or 52%, landed on sick leave. Moderna was also clearly worse than the BioNTech determined average, sending 106 of 255, or 46% of the participants who received it as their third dose, home for recovery. <laughs> they're not, they're not going to recover. The broader subset of healthcare workers who took medication to relieve post-vaccination symptoms paints the same picture. By the third dose, the vast majority of everyone in the sample, 86%, were taking drugs to relieve the acute symptoms of the jabs. It wraps up here. It says the gender breakdown is interesting. Males were less likely to take medication after the first and second doses. 16.6% 16.6% versus 24%, and 31.5% versus 49.6% respectively. But by the third dose, this gender difference disappeared. Men were constantly, or I'm sorry, consistently, less likely to take sick leave after every dose, however. The authors conclude that COVID-19 vaccination has a non-negligible impact on the staff availability in the health sector, quote-unquote, and that it is likely to enhance immune response to each subsequent jab that is responsible for the escalating symptoms. Now, that particular study rings a bell, and I've probably read it on the show before, but here's what the author wraps up with uh, regarding their substack and analysis of that particular article. They said, uh, they said, we're looking at only acute, immediate reactions to vaccination here, not at injuries or other more serious adverse events. The results of the study are clearly confirmed by the overwhelming disinclination of the general public to accept further vaccination after the booster campaign. Even when everything goes right, the vaccines make a lot of people feel sick, and the effect grows more pervasive and more powerful with each successive jab, unquote. Yeah. Now, this brings up another issue, too. 
And, and uh, you know, this, this right here is a huge problem. You have individuals, again, on Substack who are writing articles and getting lots of clicks and lots of shares, but they're not diving into what specific people are actually saying. They're seeing a video or a presentation by somebody, and they're saying, oh, look, this person's talking about how bad the jabs are. This past week, there was this audio clip bouncing around, a video, and you can watch the whole thing if you're interested. It's, I'm sure it, it may be on YouTube. I'm not sure about that, but I know it's on Twitter. Anyway, and it's on this person's substack, the Pharma Files by Aussie 17, back on uh, September 17th. But it's titled Breaking Dr. Philip Buckholtz Testimony on DNA Contamination in Pfizer's mRNA Vaccine. Hard Evidence of DNA Contaminants in Pfizer and Moderna's Vaccines, quote-unquote. I'm going to play a part of this 30-minute thing. Just, I'm just going to play a few minutes. I want you to hear the words that this Dr. Buckholt says, because this guy thinks that COVID is real. Again, he talks about how the shots... Well, I mean, you'll hear him say it. He, he says it very specifically. He'll say... The shots didn't stop the pandemic, but it kept people out of hospitals. No, it didn't. So again, this guy's all over the place. He's all over the map and all over the road when it comes to where this came from, what's really going on. This again, this is a cancer doctor at the University of South Carolina. So th this guy prides himself and, and sticks his chest out on, well, you know, I, I, I study the human genome and uh, exactly what damages DNA, which leads to cancer and so on and so forth. But this guy's all over the road. So let me review very quickly before I play the audio. There was no COVID. Doesn't exist. It was a poison, a biological weapon that was manufactured either in Ukraine, United States, China, probably all of those places. And it was injected and put into, rather, the flu shot injection in 2019. That's why people were getting sick and saying, well, it's way worse than the flu. Yeah, because you injected yourself with it. And then the shot rollout of, tw of late 2020, 2021, and so on and so on. That right there again is the cause of death. That is the COVID, so to speak. And I'm, again, using that phrase COVID loosely. You know that because you've listened to this show at great length and, and you understand that. It's not something floating around in the air. And again, for him to say that it prevented illness, there's zero proof of that. In fact, that's impossible. That's like putting a gun in your mouth, pulling the trigger and saying it prevented you from blowing your face off. No, it didn't. It was the cause of that. It is the cause. The truth with all of this is so simple and so evil, it doesn't really require a person in a lab coat. And he's wearing a lab coat, and I don't know why. But either way, after his presentation, a woman came up, and she's a researcher, and she gave, again, a very good presentation, way more direct than this doctor was. But I want to play some of this doctor's audio so that you can give him a listen and just hear his word usage, because again, he's all over the, he's all over the road here. So here's him talking again at the uh, this is the South Carolina uh, Senate hearing, basically 
for the South Carolina government. And here he is in three, two, one. In in my professional evaluation of the literature, the Pfizer vaccine did a pretty good job of keeping people out of the cemetery, but it sucked at stopping the pandemic. And um, it was the best of sucky options that we had. And I still believe that um, it was deployed mostly in good faith, but there were a lot of shortcuts taken because the house was on fire and uh, we could do a better job next time from the lessons that we're going to learn here. That's my own personal view of this, uh, but I'm also, my philosophical bent here is, I'm sure many of you have heard of Occam's razor, right? Choose the simplest of explanations. Well, there's another one called Hanlon's razor, which is never attribute malice to that which can be better explained by incompetence. And so I'm trying to be gracious here in many circumstances. There could be malice underneath, but I'm trying to see just incompetence to be gracious. So the Pfizer uh, vaccine is contaminated with plasma DNA. It's not just mRNA. It's got bits of DNA in it. This DNA is the DNA vector that was used um, as the template for the in vitro transcription reaction when they made the mRNA. Um, I know this is true because I sequenced it in my own lab. The vials of Pfizer vaccine that were given out here in Columbia, uh, one of my colleagues was in charge of that vaccination program in the College of Pharmacy. And for reasons that I still don't understand, he kept every single vial. Um, so he had a whole freezer full of the empty vials. Well, the empty vials have a little tiny bit in the, in the bottom of them. He gave them all to me, and I looked at them. We had two batches that were given out here in Columbia, and I checked these two batches, and I checked them by sequencing. And I sequenced all the DNA that was in the vaccine, and I can see what's in there. And it's surprising that there's any DNA in there, and you can kind of work out what it is and how it got there, and I'm kind of alarmed about the possible consequences of this, both in terms of human health and biology, but you should be alarmed about the regulatory process that allowed it to get there. So this DNA, in my view, it could be causing some of the rare but serious side effects like death from cardiac arrest. So there's a lot of cases now um, of people having suspicious death after vaccine. It's hard to prove what caused it. It's just, you know, temporarily associated. Um, and this DNA is a plausible mechanism. Okay. Uh, this DNA uh, can and likely will integrate into the genomic DNA of cells that got transfected with the vaccine mix. This is just the way it works. We do this in the lab all the time. We take pieces of DNA, we mix them up with a, a lipid complex like the Pfizer uh, vaccine is in. We pour it onto cells and, and a lot of it gets into the cells and a lot of it gets into the DNA of those cells and it becomes a permanent fixture of the cell. It's not just a temporary, um, a temporary thing. It is in that cell and all of its progeny from now on forevermore. Amen. So that's why I'm kind of alarmed about this. DNA being in the vaccine, it's, it's, it's different from RNA because it can be permanent. Like I said, he's all over the board. He's all over the map. He's not consistent, but again, has, has the, uh, oh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's misplaced, the referencing of, of Occam's razor and then this other example that he brings up, which basically says, hey, look, if you're not as qualified as me, then you can't talk about it. Then you're just ignorant. Well, let's examine a few things. He doesn't think that there's malice necessarily behind this. He might think that there is, as he said, but he's chalking it up to let's just look at it as if the people who made this are ignorant. No, 
Nope. It's a kill weapon. That's the whole point. In the presentation that I'm going to link in the description below, it's 27 minutes long from a woman who's very knowledgeable on all of this DOD stuff. She talks about the kill box, again, wireless radiation, 5G, the shots, the whole thing. She brings all of it up. Very convincing presentation. She mentions a point in her presentation where she says, don't you find it suspicious that you'll, you're not going to find two medical doctors talking about the exact same thing regarding these shots? They're all saying different stuff. Doesn't matter if they're in America, doesn't matter if they're in Europe, doesn't matter if they're in, in Russia, doesn't matter where they are. They're all saying different things. And she says, and these are the so-called awake doctors. But no one's on the same page. No one can say the same thing about what these shots are doing and what is in them. Everybody's saying completely different stuff. That's why you have the Peter McCulloughs of the world saying variants. Well, there's variants out there and all these variants. There are no variants. And then there are doctors who say there's no variants. They don't exist. There's just permanently damaged DNA that is your DNA as a result of these shots. Now, again, he basically says that there's just a temporal association, so to speak, with the shots and potential illness. Let me make this pretty clear. If you're in a movie theater and no one else is in the movie theater, and the person who is inside of a movie theater, where you're actually sitting down and watching a movie, okay? They open up the door to walk into the movie theater, and there's a grizzly bear in there. And the grizzly bear attacks them. And then the grizzly bear leaves, and then the grizzly bear knocks on the door again. And then the person opens up the door, and the grizzly bear goes after him again. And then they close the door again, and then the grizzly bear leaves, of course, and then comes back. And then the person ends up dying. All the police show up, the public finds out, well, how did the person die? Everybody who was a witness or everybody who was there in the same building goes, well, we're not sure. We're not sure how they died. What do you mean you're not sure? They have scratches all over them. They're missing an arm and a leg. There's bite marks everywhere. There's blood all over the place. And oh, look, there's a grizzly bear walking around. What do you mean you don't know why they're dead? What's the thing? that people have done to themselves over the last two to three years that they've never done before in their entire life. It's like if we all just took up base jumping and then all of a sudden people started dying from base jumping. Well, we're not sure it was base jumping. We're not sure that that's, you know, we're not entirely sure that that's the cause. A lot of people jumping off of cliffs and, you know, we're not entirely sure that that's the cause of their death. Could be something else. Could be an underlying health issue. But we do know that it was sudden and unexpected. I'm laying the sarcasm on thick here, but you get what I'm saying. You're, you're, you're not, we're not hearing the same things from these same doctors who are on the seeming right side of things. I mean, this guy, you know, bless his heart, but he can't comprehend the fact that depopulation is an agenda. He can't wrap his head around that. But he, at least he, he figured out this piece of the puzzle, which is there's DNA in the shots. So where'd that come from? Well, 
the same way that every vaccination is made. They suck it out of dead animals, or they'll suck it out of dead fetuses. This is, this is common knowledge. This is how they are made. It's in the flipping in- ingredients of every shot. There's always fetal embryonic tissue inside of shots. When you do that and you take that DNA that is not yours and inject it into yourself, you are hijacking your own DNA. You're not making it stronger. You're killing yourself. Now, he could have said that, and he should know that, but it's a 30-some-odd-long presentation. Maybe somewhere he, he ultimately says that. Highly unlikely. He's playing nice here, and he's playing kind, and again, he's chalking it up to, well, you as uh, elected officials have a decision to make and whatever else. And then the woman who gives a presentation after him, and she gives about a 15-minute presentation, which is in the last war video, by the way. But she openly says, you got you to remove these shots now. Let me play a little audio from that because, again, she too is, is, a, is a research doctor, if memory serves, if not an actual medical doctor. But she's looking at the statistics, of course, of the deaths, and she references VAERS, which is a huge mistake because VAERS isn't accurate at all. And, uh, and, and with that said, she again, she's kind of all over the place, well-intended. Just like the last guy, well intended, but she's she's all over the place. So give this a listen too. This is a safety signal. This is the platform itself. Okay, in the clinical trials, <clears throat> we saw deaths. We definitely had deaths. That was using process one without the contamination. Okay, what may not have been clear is that the the. Shots tested on the people in the clinical trials were vastly different than the shots tested or given to people released on the population. Um, I'm short on time, so I'm trying to fit this in. Basically, people were given in the clinical trial a clean shot. People, everybody else was given these contaminated shots. Every single vial that's been tested by every scientist around the world is contaminated with these plasmids. And they're cont- some are contaminated when when Kevin McKernan first tested the vials, he found that uh, one of the vials contained up to about 30 uh, percent of the nucleic acid material was, in fact, DNA. So this is not some residual contamination that's carrying over. This is significant contamination. Why does that matter? Uh, gene therapy was never brought to market, even though it's been over 40 years in development, because in the past it caused latent cancers that developed two to four years after these were given, because it caused lethal autoimmune reactions. Even when you were producing human proteins, not viral proteins, not bacterial proteins that you are displaying on the surface of your cells. Think about the logic of this. In traditional gene therapies, and these are gene therapies, they would be classified as gene therapies. In traditional gene therapies, you send in a genetic message to make a missing protein. That protein is identical to the protein that should have been in your body, but you're missing. This time we're sending in a sequence and asking it to make a piece of a viral protein and we're displaying it on our cells and then our body is attacking it and killing those cells. It doesn't stay in your arm. They said it would stay in your arm. It goes to every single cell in your body, every tissue in your body. It goes to your brain. It goes to your bone marrow where then your body is able to attack 
these cells. It is not a healthy platform for this. There's a difference between using this technology for cancer or for fixing inborn errors in metabolism as compared to using it in a vaccine. There you understand the risk. Here the risks were not told to people. Um, with this DNA being present, what Philip did not touch on is that there are sequences within these plasmids. I personally feel that this is an intentional um, I believe that there is nefarious intent, and I'm going to tell you why, and it's something that he didn't touch on. Uh, there are SV40 sequences, <clears throat> excuse me, there are, there are SV40 sequences within the plasmids that were not disclosed to the regulators. The SV40 sequences, if you'll recall, the SV40 virus was a contaminant of the polio vaccines. It is thought that that contamination of the virus, which is on oncogenic, caused many of the cancers for the next several decades from the people in the people that received these vaccines. Now, the whole the whole SV40 virus is not in the shots, but what is in the shots is a special sequence. It's called a nuclear localization sequence, which is in the shots to take the plasmid DNA directly to the nucleus of human cells. It is not needed to grow these in bacteria. You would not have to use this to grow it in bacteria for the purpose that they said it was for, to make lots of copies. This sequence takes the DNA to the nucleus of human cells where it can then be integrated or where, as Philip said, it is most likely to be integrated. So all this about there's no DNA in the shots, they will not go to the nucleus, they will not integrate with your DNA is not true and they knew it from the beginning because they knew the plasmids were there. That's a problem. There's also an SV40 promoter only designed to be expressed in human cells, not bacteria cells. Now, Philip has checked in something he didn't say, which is good news uh, for people. Dr. Buckholz, I keep saying Philip, uh, which is good news for people, is that most of the sequences were broken. Had they been intact, and if there are any that are intact, and this is something he should have said, we have to check. They can infect the E. coli in your gut. That's what they're designed to do, to infect the e. to, to infect E. coli, which means you can be a perpetual spike factory because they're self-replicating and they would self-replicate in the bacteria of your gut and then make spike over and over and over again. That's a problem. They also carry an antibiotic-resistant gene cassette to canamycin and neomycin. Canamycin is the main antibiotic used to treat tuberculosis. Neomycin is another antibiotic that's widely used. People that receive these, if it transfects the E. coli in your gut, it can make the, your gut um, and other bacteria, not just that, it can make them resistant to those antibiotics. That is a huge, huge risk, um, and it's something that's known for plasmids. It's something that they've—they're uh, careful to make sure that you don't have these antibiotic resistance genes if they're making something that should go into gene therapy. And now it's here. Now it's present. Again, that's Dr. Jancy Lindsay, and uh, you know she's right, and she brings up a very interesting point, which is the shots are designed to make your body resistant to antibiotics. And as you've heard here also, 
resistant to foods and things like red meat and make you allergic and highly allergic to those things. But keep in mind, this right here again is where the media and the CDC and all these other corrupt organizations have a word and a phrase that they'll use to justify or in their heads falsely define any angle or conceivable angle that people like us clearly can see. That's where the term long COVID came from. Well, they have long COVID. Well, what in the hell is that? Because that didn't exist in 2020. It didn't even exist in most of 2021. But once people started taking the shots and they kept getting sick, like Mike DeWine and a bunch of other people, well, it's, it's, it must be long COVID then. There's no such thing as long COVID. There's just permanently damaged DNA and AIDS and your inability to fight off infection. That's it. So I'm glad she's, you know, I'm glad she brought up the part about, you know, the nefarious aspect of it. Again, you can see these doctors agreeing on some things and disagreeing on others. But the explanation for this is actually far more simple than even her presentation. And, and you know what that is. You, you know what the answer is. But again, there are endless people who are injected who have no idea. The quote-unquote pillars of community, ladies and gentlemen, they're all falling down. And people can't figure out for the life of them why it's happening. Can't get clearer. It can't get clearer. I'm going to end with this. This is a, um, a text message here that I just got from A.J. Gochik, our favorite California lawyer. And uh, he's got two stories here. It's, it's an interesting and certainly a fitting end to this episode, I think. He said the following. He said, hey, Sean, I drove to Walgreens in Palo Alto yesterday. Parking lot was full. Can't remember seeing that before. Parked and walked in. Long lines at the pharmacy counter. Dozens of mostly boomer and silent generation types waiting to get the new COVID boosters, quote unquote. The first six shots didn't work and ruined their immune systems, though, though these idiots wouldn't know it. You'd think the new iPhone 43 came out with how packed it was inside. Most of them were wearing masks. I looked, it looked like, rather, summer of 2020 all over again. I left. No point hanging around all the shedders. Then he said this, and this is... This is interesting, and it's sad, too. It really is, because I feel for these people. I really feel for these people. He said, I wanted, I wanted to share another incident from yesterday. He said, quote, A Samsung dryer repairman shows up at my mom's Sunnyvale rental property yesterday. I'm there to meet him and let him inside. He's Korean and puts on a mask as he steps out of the van. I tell him to take it off. He tries to blow me off. I said, I mean it. He asks why. I tell him that they're useless and harmful. Plus, I want to see his face. He is surprised to hear about the harms of masking and removes it. Then he's holding it in his hand. I tell him I don't want to see it. He tries to put it in his pocket. I point to the garbage can outside the complex main entrance. He trashes it. Then I have a talk with him about living life with dignity and that nobody tells him what to wear. He thanked me and said I was a nice man. Others have told him to cover his face before. Then he told me 
how he lost his small business with seven employees in 2021 from the lockdowns, so he became a repairman contractor for Samsung and Lowe's. Honestly, after that, I really didn't care about the dryer, though he fixed the problem, unquote. That's the state of affairs in a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen. That's the state of affairs. That even in all of this chaos, and even in all of this murder, and all of this deception and demoralization, we still have an opportunity to tell people the truth, and some people are still going to hear it, and it might change them, even for a little while. It might brighten their day just a little bit. That's a beautiful thing. Absolutely amazing. Okay. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, and again, I, I applaud AJ on that. That's awesome. That's awesome. I know he does that with lots of people, but uh, that, that's a beautiful thing. You certainly made that guy's day. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend, and I'll catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care, and God bless.